1: Paper since 1971. Well, it's time on the Ben Jarowski Show as I speak. It's Thursday, September 29th, 2022. I'll read you a headline in the paper so you know what's going on. So if you're like listening to this show, like a year from now, You'll know what was happening in the world before I uh, engage my distinguished guests in a conversation about politics. I already talked about this on my earlier show, but I'm going to bring it up again because it's really weighing on my mind. I can't escape this. And let uh, me throw this question at my distinguished guest. Uh, so here we go. Uh, the headline is Hurricane Slams Florida uh, deluging Southwest Coast. And it's a tra- It's a really sad story about people losing their homes, uh, houses being washed away. I saw some video of D.L. uh uh, Instagram posts of some guy doing like the, uh, doing like a breaststroke in his living room. I mean, it's some serious stuff. It's just completely overwhelming. And their governor, uh, Ron DeSantis has been pleading, uh, for assistance and aid and compassion for the people of Florida. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling with this, ladies and gentlemen, I I'm, I'm making a confession here. I'm struggling with this because on one hand I do have compassion I have just natural compassion for people whose homes are being washed away. I could just, it's a nightmare. Wouldn't want it to happen to me, you know, just on the basic level. So I feel tremendous compassion. And the New Deal Democrat in me says, of course, immediately, let's get the aid to Florida. Politics doesn't matter whether they voted for Trump, whether they're MAGAites doesn't matter. That's me. But then I'm like, the other part of me sits back and go, wait a minute, Ron DeSantis. Where are you when my city is under siege? When my city is the city of Chicago. You know what crime is like in the city of Chicago? Where's the assistance? Where's the compassion? How about mental health needs throughout the city of Chicago? How about our budget needs? How about the compassion or lack thereof you showed for the folks in New Jersey when the hurricane hit back in 2012 or so? Why is compassion only a one-way street? Why is MAGA free to be cold-hearted with hearts the size of raisins? When it comes to problems that don't affect their core constituencies, they brag about it. Ron DeSantis put people on a plane, flew in the Martha's Vineyard, flew then to Wisconsin, and bragged about flying immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Why is compassion only for Democrats to display to Republicans? I know, I know, I shouldn't be thinking this, but I wouldn't be honest if I didn't tell you I was. All right. No further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. And I'm going to, uh, when she's done with that, I'm going to ask her to weigh in on what I just, hey, I'm going to ask her to weigh in on this. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself.
0: Hey, what's up, Ben? Yvette Simpson, CEO of The Democracy for America. As you know, ABC political contributor and NPR panelist, happy to join you today in this honest assessment what is happening in our country
1: today yes thank you for uh coming back this is uh, her second uh time on the show so the first time must have been a lot of fun because she's here here she is again <laughs> so much fun <laughs> uh yes uh and uh, back then when the last time we were, we were having a field day because you were on the show with chris christie uh and Rahm Emanuel, and you more than held your own against them uh and uh, the george Stephanopoulos show and uh but the, you know it's funny i was thinking of chris uh, christie, uh The governor, the former governor of New Jersey, because he's the one who got in trouble of that, if you recall. quote, And I'm putting that in air quotes. He got in trouble with Republicans, hardcore MAGA, because he welcomed Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, to New Jersey in in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy. All right. uh, And welcomed Obama's pledge to help out with federal funds. I think they even hugged. uh, And oh, man, MAGA, pre-MAGA. That was pre-MAGA. Uh, went nuts, ripping him, shredding him. Uh, and I don't think he ever recovered as a potential candidate uh, for the Republican nomination. So I'm, I'll, I'll just put this to you. Why is compassion a one-way street in politics today? Why is it only Democrats who are expected to show compassion for people, no matter what their political affiliation. And Republicans are free to just to give the collective middle finger to anybody who is suffering uh, in a town or state run by Democrats.
0: They shouldn't be. I don't think people should elect folks who treat people like pawns. I mean, you talked about those folks being loaded on buses who came here legally to seek refuge. Um, being shipped somewhere that they don't know where they don't belong and then told they have to come back to some date. I mean, that is not humanity. Republicans aren't even exercising humanity. And also, the hypocrisy is real. Republicans say one thing, and then they do something different. The law applies differently to them than everybody else. That is the most defining feature of Republicans today. We know that there are Republicans who probably have assisted with Terminating pregnancies who will stand up and say we should not be terminating pregnancy. There are Republicans who would say you need to have family values and support a man who has had more divorces, has broken more homes and more hearts, touched more women in the wrong place. And they say that's about family values, Christian values. Come on now. So the hypocrisy is the most defining feature of the Republican Party right now. They say that they believe in justice, but not when they break the law should make sure that every black and brown person and every democratically supported person should have to have justice. Lock her up over emails. But this man takes a, buttload, a boatload of documents and all of a sudden that that should be passable. We know Republicans are all about hypocrisy. It's all about you, and what you did and not about me. And unfortunately, people suffer as a result. And those same people should remember that when they go to vote on election day, you have a choice.
1: All right, so let's get right to that Uh, and let's connect one to the other and see. uh, So I'll ask you this. Uh, You're absolutely correct. I believe, I agree with every point you just made about Republican hypocrisy. Uh, I spend so much of my time talking about it and writing about it. Uh, Do you think that obvious hypocrisy will be a motivating factor to get people to vote against MAGA in this upcoming election? Because it's one thing to denounce it, Uh, it's another thing for people who are not like in our church, so to speak, denouncing it, being motivated to do something about it. So what's your thoughts about how it will impact, uh, the next election?
0: I mean, these folks go up and storm the Capitol and that's not a winning issue. For Democrats, they still get votes. Like, I don't know what it's going to take. You remember when Donald Trump said something about if he shot somebody in the middle of Times Square, that people would still vote for him? I'm starting to believe that he might have been right about that, that that might have even been, shall I say, prophetic, that the man could do anything and people would still follow him. I think it's cultish. I have no idea what it's going to take for people to associate with this party. I mean, these are people who have very little. And they will be in a rally with this man, saying whatever he tells them to say, raising their finger to the sky. And he ain't inviting them down to Mar-a-Lago. They're not going to be eating whatever he's eating. They're not drinking from the golden chalice, if you will. But they will follow him to the ends of the earth, even at their own peril. Think about all these people who he told them to go storm that Capitol while he watched from a room. in The White House. And now they're getting sentences saying they did it because he said so. Uncle Donald Trump is not there to save you. He's not bailing these people out. He's not coming to defend them. What is it going to take? I don't know. I do believe there's a lot of these folks who have just been indoctrinated. They can't think any other way. They will take position against interest after position against interest, and they will continue to support him. And you know what the saddest part is? People who know better. My grandmother used to say, the people who know better should do better. People who know better. The people in power who know who this man is, who have emboldened him. And stood him up and they know he's a fool and they keep pushing him, keep promoting him. They keep lifting him up and they're setting all these people up for a bunch of failure. It makes me so sad.
1: All right. So me uh, sad. let me go back and uh, reframe my question a little bit. I agree with it. was a great riff. I agree with everything he said again. Uh, but I would say that the hardcore MAGA cultists would represent roughly 45 percent of the population okay, of the voting age population. What I'm wondering, that. what's that? I yeah.
0: agree with that. I think okay, you're right. so what
1: I'm wondering about is the people who uh, fall under your grandmother's rubric, people who know better and should be doing better. They're not hardcore uh, cultists. They would practically be embarrassed if you said they were hardcore cultists. They are the so-called independent-minded swing voters. And so coming in to uh, the, um, the Dobbs ruling, All the money was on the Republicans winning back the Congress. All the money. I'm like, in the face of absolutely everything you just cited, the people who knew better were going to act like they didn't know better. And (laughs) (laughs) your grandmother should be chastising them. All right? So my question is, what does it take the non-cultists to... Vote against the party of MAGA.
0: I hope they have everything they need. I don't know what more they might need. I know that I'm seeing Democrats trying to kowtow and bend to this mythical middle that we've been pushing forever this, you know, this, this uh, highlighted, beautiful independent voter that is supposed to be so shiny that we're supposed to bend our will to and, and cater to whatever they want. If they have not been convinced, It shouldn't matter what we say and what we're about. We're the party of humanity and honesty and truth. And if that's not enough, and you want us to make a commitment to not protect our people, not raise wages on the 1%, uh, to not raise wages for people who need it the most, to continue to um, tax those who are already hurting and not those who have more, then we're not doing that. Time out for that. Be with us because the other party is crazy. Win it. And they're trying to kill democracy. I'm still of the mindset that if you're an independent voter and you're still thinking about marking the box red, then I have to question what it's going to take for you either. So this whole thing where we need to cater to independence and bring them over by watering down the issues that matter to our people, the 99% of people in this country who are all in a similar boat right now without anything to protect us, we're not doing that. And I think that's the challenge with our party. As our party still says, we got to give five or six things to get these independents to come and be with us. And then guess what they should already? My grandmother would say about that?
1: Yeah. Well, this gets at the heart. They just
0: want to date you. They want to, they they, you know, we try trying to marry them and give them a ring and they just want to date us. Not okay.
1: Uh, this gets to the heart of the debate you had with, that we talked about last time when you were uh, with Rahm Emanuel and Christy. Uh, and where you were talking about the need to expand the voting base of the Democratic Party and get people who would be voting Democrat if they weren't out of the system, if they weren't alienated from the system, if they weren't like subscribing to this nihilistic view, which I, I confront almost every day here in the city of Chicago. Uh, so let me ask you this, in your humble opinion, uh, how effective job has President Biden and the Biden administration done to do exactly what you were uh, saying they should do back wherever you had that debate with uh, Rahm and Christy. How effectively do you think they've been in terms of the programs that they've passed, the initiatives uh, that they've championed, the rhetoric that they use, the language that they use to bring uh, people, to, to, to inspire people to come out and vote?
0: You know, I say it on the record, and I will say it again here, doing the bare minimum at a time when we need you to do the most, it's not going to cut it, right? So we had this whole debate months and months around student loan debt elimination. And Biden had this number in his head that he wanted to stick to. Now, this is something that he can do without Congress. He doesn't need any additional support. Sign a document, get it done. NAACP, organizations like ours, all said, if you hit this number, you're going to eliminate the, the, um, the wealth gap for black and, and white people. Because a lot of Black people happen to be overly impacted by student loan debt at these higher levels. People pounded the pavement. They went out. They lobbied. And he, he sat with the same number that he started with. And so, yes, people were celebrating that 10000 20000 if your Pell Grant eligible. And also, imagine, just imagine then, if he had gone the distance, if he had met the number, what enthusiasm we would have. We would have even more enthusiasm. Just with that one small change, his approval rating among young people went up instantly. It took him all these months to do, and then he did the bare minimum. He could have done more. We need a president who understands and can meet this moment. And he's doing the bare minimum at a time when we need more. So yes, he's done things. He has done things. He has not done enough. And the fact that he's sitting in the presidency and 64% of Democrats think that he should not run again, Democrats, proves my point, when he does great things and he shows up for the people who showed up in a pandemic and voted for him, some of them holding their nose, because they knew that if they got him in one, we get rid of Trump, but maybe, just maybe in his humanity, he would want to do more. He has done the bare minimum. We need him to do more. If he legalized marijuana to get, uh, today, we'd win this thing and be out. Go ahead and do it. Just go ahead, put it out there. I said two things Biden needs to do: eliminate student loan debt, legalize marijuana, and we don't have to work nearly as hard to get him elected to win these midterms to get him elected again.
1: I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take it one step further. The legalizing of the marijuana <laughs> would would do the trick without them by itself.
0: The,
1: by itself. His...
0: too. Republicans wanted to do something, do more.
1: Okay, Yvette, you have to help me with this. I struggle with this. Why the resistance on the part of Joe Biden to legalizing reefer? And and I, I'll, I'll. I, please don't say because he's too old. The man was born in 1942 or 41. Do you know how many hippies? we born in 1942 and 41. <laughs> all the Beatles were born. All the Beatles smoke reefer. They're Joe Biden's age. Paul McCartney is, believe it or not, maybe older than him. I'm not quite sure who's actually older. So I know folks his age have smoke reefer. Why is this man so resistant to such an obvious initiative? Go ahead. I don't
0: know. I mean, like, this is it for you, Biden. You work. He applied for the job of president more than anybody's ever applied for any job. He's been wanting this job longer than I've been alive. He finally gets the job. And I'm not being insensitive. I'm being honest. He wanted this job. And then he got the job and was like, okay, I wonder what I'm going to do. And guess what? This is it, honey. This is your swan song. There is not going to be another job after this for you. There's not going to be another mountain for you to climb. Leave it all on the field is what they say. Do it all. So when he came in and said, I'm not going to be an FDR president, at the time when we need an FDR kind of president, that showed me that you're not honest about this moment and what needs to happen. And here's the thing I've said about him, and I will be complimentary and be honest when he's, when he's right. He is one of the most empathetic presidents that we have ever had. He will cry with you. He will hold you and hug you. He will walk with you. He will tell you that he cares about you. But that empathy without action is anemic. And I think it's almost disrespectful to say, I care about you and I have the power to change your life, but I'm not going to do it. And I think we need to challenge that. Sir, you are the one we have been waiting for. So we need to do this on his Twitter and we need to do that. You are the weak. You have the power and you must do it. And I don't know what this whole, if somebody comes in at zero and the other person comes in at 10, you meet at five thing comes from. But guess what? That means everybody's mad. How about you do the one really big thing and only half of the room is mad at you? It, it, it's not good strategy. It doesn't make sense to me. I think he's just, he's just a moderate and he believes that moderation is the best approach. And guess what? In this moment, that's not what most Americans want. That's not what we need. And I think he needs to start listening more um, than he actually talks. <laughs> like He just needs to listen more and really hear from people. Um, and so that's the real challenge for me. I don't know what's motivating him to be so um, so moderate, so so um, unwilling to do the thing that's necessary. And yeah, don't be a prude about it. Uh, you remember when he first got into the White House? There was this whole thing where the people who were applying to work for the White House were then vetted, and if they said they had ever even smoked marijuana, some of those people were released. Yeah, I mean, Bill Clinton admitted to smoking marijuana. He said it didn't inhale, whatever. Um, I mean, we have former presidents who have admitted to this, and you're releasing people. So just don't be approved. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. But even beyond the legalization issue as, you know, consuming marijuana, we know what it would mean for freeing a lot of people in jail, the crime bill, and other things that he set in motion that could then be released to legalize marijuana. So I, uh, I, I don't understand. Build-
1: you should have I know, mentioned I should Bill have mentioned, uh, Clinton, because uh, that's a triggering thing for me. Uh, he
0: was in my head. I don't even know. Don't know
1: yeah. That. So uh, I'm going to let that one slide and, and, and uh, come back to that at another time. All that's right. The last thing I'm going to uh, say about so,
0: Bill Clinton today, I promise.
1: Good. <laughs> okay. I'll hold you to that. Uh, so, all right. So based on what you've uh, had to say, I get the uh, the idea, and I think I'm with you, that it's not going to be something that Joe Biden has done that will bring new people to the polls and the numbers of the Democrats need to hold on to the House and to the Senate. More likely it'll be something really diabolical and evil that the Republicans have done that will turn the minds of the middle group that says, I just can't deal with this. And the most obvious, uh, item at the top of that list of evil things that Republicans do is the Dobbs decision, which has unleashed a whole slew of laws in states throughout the country that will essentially make abortion illegal. Even if it's a 10 year old girl who's been raped, as we uh, saw, uh, in Ohio, insane laws in Ohio. Uh, so uh, you, you, uh, What's your thoughts uh, at this moment, Yvette, about about the impact of Dobbs on uh, the midterms?
0: You know, it's significant. Um, We were given, I don't even want to call it a gift because it really is a curse when you think about the impact it's going to have on generations of women and people who love and support women. But politically, it was the thing that revived our party at a time when we were going down quickly. I think folks thought, the January 6th insurrection was going to be enough. And the fact that Trump was being indicted in multiple places and a lot of his associates were being dragged off to jail, like you would have thought that would have been enough. Um, But it looked like because of inflation and the way the economy was being presented and what was happening, we were going to lose really, really bad um, because we weren't doing the things that people, that motivated people. And the economy is a A really strong factor, and particularly among independents and and reasonable Republicans, if they exist. Uh, But Dobbs was a gift because it was something that galvanized people and motivated people who otherwise would have been like, okay, well, the Democrats aren't doing enough and the Republicans are crazy. So, you know, whatever, no matter who's in power, my life, you know, doesn't change. But it motivated a bunch of people because the Republicans took it one step too far in their extremism in trying to reverse you know, a precedent from 50 years ago that 80% of Americans actually support. Like, read the tea leaves here. You're talking to a small subset of people who want all, you know, want the handmaid's tale. And then you wonder what happens when the whole world wakes up and says, wait a minute, now you've gone too far. And it has been motivating. I think my one fear at this point is that Democrats aren't using it enough. We're not having enough Democrats talk about it. We're, you know, we're, folks are getting distracted by these other things. This is the issue. We saw what happened in Kansas. A lot of organizing by the group there, Rachel Sweet that group, organized women from all over the state, rural, suburban, you know, urban. Everybody showed up and voted. I think it was part of the undoing of Sarah Palin in Alaska. It was one of the few tests we've had since dives. now ranked choice vote helped, but also this issue. It is a galvanizing issue. It has motivated women of all stripes and people who support and love women and believe in privacy to come up, come and register, and to go vote. And it is an issue that has saved us. Because otherwise, we would have been up the creek without a paddle, and we would have been in danger of losing both the House and losing the Senate. And now it looks like we're in a much better position if we continue to follow through um, on the messaging, and we have some message discipline um, going into the midterms. It it will be the thing that saved us.
1: What do you mean by message discipline? Explain so
0: that. So one of the things that Republicans do well, which I hate to say out loud, um, is they have message discipline. One of them says MAGA, they all say MAGA. One says CRT, they're all on CRT. One banning books, they all banning books. They, they fall in line. Um, speaking of Chris Christie, y'all, he used to say, Democrats fall in love, Repo- Republicans fall in line. They have message discipline. They talk about the same thing over and over. Once they see something is working. What we do is we, we know that there's something that's galvanizing and we start to talk about it. And then we're like, squirrel, we're like, over here, something different. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. No, this is the issue that is a winning issue for us. Let's focus on that and let's get people organized around that. Because in this moment, that is the thing. One, is very, very important. It's significantly important because opening up the Pandora's box of privacy is gonna infect everybody. And I don't know what people know, but once they start going in our on the clothes They come in, in everybody else's bedroom, and then they're going to be coming into, you, you know, let's be clear. Um, so what we have to do is have message discipline. We have to say Dobbs' decision is a motivating and important issue. Let's stay on message, and let's continue to talk about the fact that far-right extremist Republicans want a, a young woman who was raped to have to carry the, ba- the baby of her rapist. That is one of the most compelling messages you could ever have, and we should be saying it. Because it's true over and over and over again. I don't want to hear no commercials about nothing else. I don't want you knocking on nobody's door talking about nothing else. Let's focus on this.
1: And if they do, uh, what's your sense of uh, how Congress will go? We'll start with the House of Representatives before we go to uh, uh, the Senate. There's been so much gerrymandering. It's hard for me to keep up uh, with with, uh, uh, all the gerrymandering that's going on. So it's hard to win an election when the boundaries uh, that you're running in Uh, are tilted to favor somebody else. Uh, Do you still think the Dems can hold on to Congress?
0: I think it's it's going to be nearly impossible. The gerrymandering is a big deal. Not just the fact that Republicans did it right in their opinion, meaning they gerrymandered. Well, we did it wrong (laughs) in the places where we had control. We lost seats. So again, lesson learned. Let's get this right next time, people. Um, But second, you know, we had that mess, that messing in the, in the uh, primaries. So we had the DCCC spending nearly $50 million to pick their opponent, these far right Republican folks. And then we had Republicans trying to unseat. Primaries. So now you've got milk toast and vanilla <laughs> far extreme crazy. We don't know what's going to happen now because of that. I wish the Democrats had just stuck with Democrats, spent that money with strong Democrats, including progressives, who could win, and Republicans have stayed on their lane. So we just don't know how these matchups are going to go. We could be in a situation where we could have won a race, a House race, but because the extreme candidate was supported by Democrats instead of the candidate who had the best chance to win, we lose that one. And we can end up with a crazy person that we supported, Actually. Such a crazy year, Ben. I am like, down is up and up is down, and we have done so many things wrong. But yes, I think our Dobbs is helpful. I think if people stay on message, it will be helpful. I think the gerrymandering makes the House nearly impossible to get. And I think on top of that, the fact that we have these crazy mismatches of candidates that may or may not turn out, well. I mean, we lost a, re- a bunch of really, really strong progressives um, that I think could have carried the day in some of these districts ahead of some of these toast people who are going to motivate the democratic base. And then the Republicans have their crazy right person who's going to be motivated. People are rallying. behind
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I was never comfortable to put it mildly with the strategy was employed here in Illinois, uh, to, um, prop up, uh, insane candidates. First of all, I take serious, the impact they could have if they are to win. Uh, it's so, I don't know what you're playing with there. It's like playing with fire. Uh, and, uh, so, and then, but the second part that I talk about all the time, Yvette, uh, and I'll get your thoughts on this is the more insane the Republican candidate is, the more win or lose that that person just pushes the boundaries of what is the center further to the right. You have to, and, and um, I just saw. A, Even what's a, just
0: acceptable a, in human decency. Yeah. Like the fact that Lauren Barber and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates get the beat in Congress. Just, it just it extends the bound of decency when, when young people or people see that these people have a position of leadership and you could just be crazy like that and say and do whatever. I mean, if we have more of those voices, then that's going to be normalized. Don't worry about that. So I'm with you 100%. Yeah.
1: I, I, I am. And uh, I didn't buy it. And I still don't buy it. And I'm hoping we could avoid a catastrophe. All right, the Senate. You were talking about the House. Uh, all right, what's your thoughts about who will uh, take the Senate?
0: We got a much better shot over there now, um, I think. And um, as that's happening, a certain senator is becoming even more crazy. So thank goodness, because Kristen Cinema has completely lost her mind and is like, you know, anyway. So we definitely need to silence her uh, her voice. And then Manchin, who knows who he shows up to be on any given day, but mostly Joe Manchin is taking care of Joe Manchin. That is the thing. He's making sure Joe Manchin, okay, his yacht and all of his, you know, money and stuff. Um, So I would say that we have a really good shot of picking up a few seats in the Senate. I feel good about Pennsylvania. Limit Oz is a joke. Uh, And John Fetterman is a much better alternative there. I think, um, you know, I feel good about Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes, even though they're now trying to reclaim that and put a bunch of money behind Ron Johnson. He just put his foot in his mouth today, as you saw, as we're learning more and more about his role in the insurrection. He's pretending like he didn't know anything about it. But in fact, he probably did. So I'd love to see the January 6th committee bring him in. Um, you've got Herschel Walker. Holy moly. Um, oh, my God. Um, you know, if Raphael Warnock does not beat him and we lose that seat, I, I quit. I'm out. y'all. I, I, I got to go. Um, and, uh, and then we've got, we've got a good chance in North Carolina. We've got a good chance in North Carolina. I mean, people are not paying enough attention to Sherry Beasley, who has won statewide. In North Carolina, before we almost took that seat, as you remember, with Cal Cunningham um, two years ago, and I think Sherry Beasley is just a much stronger candidate with a much you know um, better campaign. So you know, I think folks aren't watching North Carolina close enough. Um, so I think we've got some real great shots to maybe pick up two or three seats. I think we need at least that. The pessimist in me says that hiding behind Kristen Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, and Joe Manchin is another one. And another one. So when we get two more seats, they're gonna pop up and show up and then be the ones that are holding everything up. But I feel like the more that we get, and especially if the energy is, they're gonna, you know, get rid of the filibuster so we can get voting rights done and we can get immigration policy done and we can get all this other these important issues done. I'm gonna get road codified, I'm gonna feel feel much, much better. So I think we've got a better shot with the Senate and all of the data shows that. I think we just gotta bring it home because one thing about our party is like we we gotta re- realize that like there's four quarters in the game. Like we just don't show up at that fourth quarter. We're like, okay, we're good. Everybody go home. Like you have to play four quarters because Republicans don't quit. Okay, they're like a dog with a bone. They don't nothing shaking them off of that bone. They will never quit. And so we have to be that relentless. We have to be that persistent. And we have to realize this thing ain't over till it's over. They will put more money. And let's remember, they're gonna steal it. They're gonna try to steal it at the ballot box. They're going to try to steal it on election day. So we have to overperform in all these places, even to get the benefit of the doubt, particularly in these states where they have they have these crazy voter suppression laws. You mean I can't pass water out in Georgia? This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, you know, I could go on and was, on about it.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. I love that riff. <laughs> so before I leave the midterms completely of that, I love your thoughts on Texas. Uh, we, I've been hearing my Democratic uh, friends tell me for a long time that Texas is in play. Texas is in play. Uh, never, and then the elections come and go and they're never, Texas is never quite in play. Do you think the Dems could take Texas in this go around governor's race, uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, take it away?
0: I hope so. I hope we can. Beto has a reputation for building really strong organizing infrastructure. Um, I watched him do that four years ago. Um, I think he has the potential to do it here. I think the most important thing is that, um, one, making sure that he does the thing we were talking about earlier. You got to galvanize Black and brown voters, young voters. I saw some video of him earlier this week. and All the students from all the schools, Black and brown, were coming out and supporting him. If he can organize the heck out of those people, he can do it. I really do believe that. Um, And I think that, you know, after everything that Governor Abbott has done, like, what's left? Like, I mean, deep freeze. I mean, he just left people to freeze to death. I mean, it's just like this man has no heart. Uh, he does not care. And with the migrant crisis and the way that both he and DeSantis have helped um, handle that, I just don't know what else is going to take. I think Beto has been the most passionate I've ever seen. Him Him taking down that guy in that, um, in that public forum around Uvalde uh, was magic. And I've never seen him emote like that. I think he's just, he's just like, I'm done. I'm putting it all on the field. I don't care anymore. He's not Mr. Nice Guy. He's like, we're coming for it. And I hope that people in Texas realize that this is the moment. This is your shot. You know, you don't do it this time. There's going to be just, There's not. I don't know how much energy there's going to be to continue to come back statewide at least and invest statewide in Texas. We will continue to win and invest in races down ticket as we have it in congressional races. But it's a big lift. To win across the state of Texas, and only a few people have the ability, the resources, and the time to do it. And Beto's—he's going for it, you know. And I, I think folks should definitely stand up and pay attention.
1: I uh, I agree, and uh, I remained uh, weirdly confident the uh, or hopeful, I guess I should say about Texas. Uh, oh, and me. he's been very you know, the, strong. The most,
0: yeah, the most hopeful guns. thing I think is that the most hopeful thing I think is that people are still paying attention to polling. And the reality is that most of the margin that Beto is going to make up shouldn't show up in a poll at all. And so if the polls show him anywhere remotely close, he should be able to make up the difference because they're not polling the young people and the brown people and the folks he's engaging. And so, you know, everybody's saying he's behind. However, y'all not seeing a whole lot. And that was the same thing with Stacey in Georgia, you know, the sneak up. People didn't see that she had all these other people that she had been engaging and they were like, what the heck happened? Because you're only polling people who would answer the phone and talk to you for 20 minutes, who probably have a landline, who probably have time. You're not talking to the people who never get called or the people who wouldn't sit and respond to, to uh, that kind of poll or who have cell phones, <laughs> um, and not landlines. And so my hope is that if he's showing remotely close as we get closer, um, that they, they're not seeing the impact of his organizing work on the ground with, um, non-traditional voters and voters who don't normally vote.
1: All right. And what impact do you think uh, the crime issue will have? And I'll just set it up here. Here in Illinois, uh, the Republicans are running a man named Darren Bailey against J- the incumbent J.B. Pritzker, Democratic uh, governor. They have been unrelenting uh, with just naked appeals to people's worst fear. They'll just air a commercial that will show a crime being committed. I uh, just saw this one where a man getting mugged on a train and a wound is opened up, he's hit over the head and he's bleeding. He, he says, Oh my God. It's like five seconds of that. And then they cut to an image of J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot. Why they throw Lori Lightfoot in this? Well, I think we all know why, but she's got running for uh, <laughs> uh, uh, governor and she's probably more conservative uh, than most moderate Republicans used to be. So, uh, but that is uh, a theme that they're just. Pushing and pushing and pushing, uh, and so I've, I know that if you are doing it here in Illinois, they must be subjecting people to this uh, throughout the country. So, what impact do you think that will have?
0: Um, it works for them. That's why they're doing it. Right? We talked about message discipline. If the Republicans care so much about abortion, why aren't they running ads on it? If they care so much about CRT, why aren't they running ads on it? If they care so much about banning books and don't say gay, why aren't they running ads on it? They know that scaring people talk about taxes. They're going to increase your taxes and they talk about crime. And the reality is, is the Republicans have no clue on how to make communities safer. They don't have a strategy. They just scare people, scare people. You know they, they, And a lot of this is rooted, in, as we know, in racism and, and classism, and it works. And what I've been seeing happen in my state is Democrats responding to that foolishness. Don't respond to that foolishness. Run your campaign and talk about who they are and talk about how you're different. Talk about that 10-year-old girl. You know what would make people not care about whatever this foolishness, these lies that Republicans are talking about? That 10-year-old girl. Talk about her. Talk about the fact that in order to enforce these arcane rules around a woman's body, they actually have to know that you're pregnant. How are they going to know that? They have to know. They get to know when you travel from one state to another, your employer may have to know that you're pregnant and want to have an abortion. This is privacy 101. I'm not seeing Democrats run the issue of choice and privacy the way I'm seeing uh, Republicans go back on this whole scare you to death because poor people and Black people are going to move in your neighborhood and rob you. It is racist. It is classist. And it's not grounded in any truth. The reality is, is that communities are not safer when Republicans are in charge. They're not. You have a lot more police involved violence. You certainly don't have safer communities because they have no clue how to make communities safer. They're not going to invest in the long-term strategies and the things that are necessary to deal with crime. And what and Democrats have still not figured out how to talk about this issue of crime. And so we run away from it. And then we lose. They're appealing to people's base natural instinct of fear. It is really hard to compete with that. People are naturally fearful of crime in their communities. It will take down any candidate. I promise you, it will. So we've got to have message discipline the way that they do. They're not running on these issues that are out front. They're running on now. Now going back to these issues that they know will cause people who quote unquote should be rational to fear something that is very irrational.
1: So, how should Democrats be talking about crime?
0: Well, one, we should talk about the fact that more police don't make us more safe. Like that's just number one, Like, right? You can have a police on every corner a shooting will happen between those two corners. That's not how this thing works. We should talk about the long-term impacts of crime, the investment in things like making sure that people have jobs and making sure that people have a hope and making sure people have opportunity is one of the most important ways. Investing in community is one of the most effective ways to combat crime. And, and so if we can, if we can have that conversation, and that was a big part of, I think, what was coming out of the defund conversation coming out of, um, George Floyd was how do we build long-term strategies for safety? How should we be policing communities? What should that look like? So, you know, if we could have those conversations and talk about it, honestly, I think that's where we get there. And the reality that the communities that are led by Republicans aren't safer. Yeah, well, no uh, strategy other than to hire more police to "quote unquote" make people safe. Yeah,
1: well, I could tell you it's, it's uh, that's winning. Uh, I agree with you that long term, everything you're saying is what uh, has to be done. But when you're, it, it's like going back to our sports metaphor. Per- apparently, you're uh, much of a basketball fan as I am. Uh, it's one thing to talk about these things in the abstract. Uh, it's like I'm, the the analogy I always use is if you just go into a gym and start shooting and you make a bunch of baskets, but it's something else when there's someone guarding you and in an election, yeah. they are in the game with you. They're in their face yelling at you. They're in their face yelling at everybody else. Be scared. Be very scared. So you talk about saying, well, we're not going to spend as much money on police. We're going to divert that for people to deal with trauma. And then they go, they want you, they want to take away your police and give it mm-hmm. to their friends, you know? And so yeah, well, I the hear Republicans
0: me. really care about police officers. Why were they attacking them on January 6th? If they believe in law and order, why don't they want to prosecute their own people who were violent? I mean, they're feeding into this idea that black people and poor people are naturally more violent. So we need police to protect us against them, but not against the crazy guy over here who's climbing the, climbing the, um,
1: <laughs> the the wall
0: police yeah if you care about crime care about it when your folks do it
1: all right so uh <laughs> let's move on to something uh a little lighter uh the hypocrisy the, again yeah no the utter hypocrisy don't get me started on uh yes they love, they love they back the blue uh except uh when the blue is defending uh the the capital then they don't back the blue so much
0: yeah uh, or uh, look at the protest, uh, or you know.
1: So, uh, all right. So, a couple things uh, I found interesting uh, on Twitter. One, I, I didn't see this on your Twitter feed, but I saw this somewhere else. It's been kicked around a lot. I don't know if you saw this. It follow me on this one, Yvette. Uh, a uh, it was a a white man in complete red. I am not making this up. He was wearing everything he was wearing was red. And he was in standing in line. He had a DeSantis Trump hat on. Like that was his dream ticket. And he was standing in line uh, for the Trump rally. I think it was in Youngstown that took place about a week ago. And across the street from him, you couldn't see him. I don't know. Did you ever see this video? Across the street from him. I should have sent it to you. Across the street from him, apparently there's KKK passing out literature. And this man in red starts yelling at him. And he's cursing him out. And he goes, he goes, you give us CNN is going to put us, put you on to make us look bad. And you give us a bad name. And you hate blacks. And you hate Hispanics. And you, I should use your literature. Don't take that literature. You should use that literature to, you know, f- as toilet paper. And I, if the cops weren't here, I'd go over there and take a swing at you. And yeah, you may take me down, but a couple of you are. I mean, I was like, what the. F-? <laughs> I have been talking about that a long time uh, on the show. What is going on in that bit? In that uh, so
0: you're saying that the guy in the hat, the red hat, went over and attacked the KKK?
1: He didn't attack him. He stood on his side. You couldn't the, the 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 image of was of him. The shot was of him. So you saw his face. He was addressing something that was over the shoulder of the person holding the camera. You couldn't see whatever he was addressing, and apparently it was white supremacists passing out literature and he was mad he was standing in line to see donald trump in (laughs) ohio wearing a desantis hat and he was mad at the kkk because they give trump a bad name he goes (laughs) i'm not making this up you could i'll send it to you so what do you make of that
0: Confirming, you are confirming my original assessment about the cult man. It is a real thing. Like this guy doesn't see that the guy that you support supports white supremacy. That that is his entire shtick. Like that is that is it. That is the beginning, the end, the middle. That's all. Like how how can he separate himself from that? Giving Trump a bad name. No, Trump is elevating, emboldening, and and bringing all that back up. That's that's his whole. I mean, stand back and stand by. What do you think they meant? I mean, come on. I mean, come come on. So then what I would want to know for that guy is then why do you support Donald Trump? What do you think he stands for? What do you think he stands for? And I think there are some people who are trying to justify Trump as something that he's not. But I can tell you, I saw also the video from that Youngstown rally and Trump on that stage and people pointing their finger to the sky. And that gave me some real vibes. So, you know, if you don't understand that Trump That red hat symbolizes white supremacy and has upheld white supremacy and that a significant portion of Donald Trump supporters agree with that, that ideology, then you don't understand what you're supporting then. I mean, that hat alone has become a symbol of white supremacy. And we know where that has led. Um, A lot of conflict, a lot of challenge, a lot of issues. So, I, you know, this this is just where I I can never be. I always think I'm going to be surprised and then I'm not. I'm like, what is going on in this world? What is going on in this world? Yeah, that guy, I would love to pick his brain and ask him, then what do you think your Trump and DeSantis? I mean they're saying the they're saying the quiet part out loud now. We don't even have to wonder or guess what they're thinking. And DeSantis is arguably worse.
1: Uh Wow, that could be a whole that show. Well. That whole that show. could be a whole show. We'll hold that for another time. I want to close with the bit from your uh, uh, Instagram feed and uh, the Instagram, your Twitter, your Twitter page. It was, I mean, <laughs> so it was. I hadn't seen the video until I looked at your um, your feed. It was of a woman, a white woman who looked. But she, I don't know how old she is, my age. Okay, so I could say that somewhere in her sixties. She's running for state Senate, I believe in Utah and she's doing a, uh, <laughs> a rap. Now, why she would want to like, she's doing a rap. Why are you doing this as rap style? I don't know. Like who is going to be, uh, it's like if it, it's worth, no, it's, it's, it's I, arguably, I think I would be worse if I were rapping. Um, I, I can't even pretend to like rap i like it on the page when i read it sometimes but i don't it's like opera i don't like the sound anyway neither here nor there uh like opera i love operas except for the singing uh and um so please help me with this (laughs) i need to know of that like what is going on in that lady's mind that she thinks she could appeal to voters with this far right message that she somehow or other stitches together with rhymes in the world's worst rap, uh, that probably that I've ever seen, where she talks about, by the way, you mentioned Republicans standing for banning books. She talks about how she's standing up for free speech. So it's completely contradictory. Uh, It's a contradictory rap at that. Help me, Yvette. I need to know what's going on in America that she would think that would be a way to get MAGA to vote for her.
0: Help me. Have mercy. First of all, somebody come and get your Aunt Karen. Okay? (laughs) Come and get her. Okay? Please do not let her out here in these streets like this. I don't know why anybody would allow or approve any of this from the beginning. Somebody wrote that rap. You should be incarcerated, okay? (laughs) Somebody film that. You should be under the jail. Somebody approve that. You need to never, ever see the light of day. Like, this is, I mean, what is going on? It was was so offensive in so many ways. I thought that the content of the video was going to be the most offensive thing, but what was more offensive was it was wrapped. It was like wrapped in this cultural appropriation that was so, like, Ma'am, number one, that is not rap. Number two, you should never do anything that sounds like or tries to emulate rap. Three, you are the reason. You are the reason that so many people don't listen to rap <laughs> because they think that's what it is. It's not that. Um, so anyway, this poor woman, Lord have mercy on us. This is what, this is what we're left with. And, um, you know, I make fun of it because it's how I get through. And also, it scares me. Um, it scares me because, again, she's trying to wrap this thing, or whatever she's thinking she's doing, which, as you know, is cultural appropriation. She's not doing it well. Shouldn't be doing it. And the things that she's saying are so very... It's just such a interesting juxtaposition of all of these different things. And so she's trying to appeal by using something she thinks is popular She's saying things that are so not popular. It is somebody who is way smarter and has done research on psychology and sociology and all of that needs to write a book on this one video. But I can tell you that for me, not only would I not want to vote for this woman, like I don't think she should be she should be allowed in public ever. Like it was, it was that, but it was bad.
1: It was bad. And I urge everybody <laughs> to go to Vet Simpson's Twitter page to find it so you can find it listen. yourself.
0: I am. Uh, and I cannot listen, disclaimer, I cannot <laughs> at all listen, go at your own risk because I can't unsee it now. I cannot unsee it. I cannot unhear it. And several people I shared with, with it were like, Yvette, why you do that to me? I'm like, because you can't, you have to see it because otherwise <laughs> if I tried to describe it to you, you would not believe me.
1: No, and, and I will now make a, a feeble defense for cultural appropriation following on this. It occasionally benefits somebody. So, for instance, way before your time, so you probably won't even know this reference, um, there was a singer named Pat Boone who was about the whitest white man you could ever imagine in America in the late 50s. And he did a little Richard song, who is definitely not a white man, uh, called Tutti Fruity." He absolutely annihilated Tutti Fruity," the Tutti Fruity" of... Pat Boone bears no relationship whatsoever to the Tutti Frutti that was written and uh, created by little Richard. But I have heard little Richard say it put money in my pocket. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> don't tell me about cultural. Pro- and I had to say, you know what, little Richard, I'm happy that Pat Boone cut your record as much as he annihilated it. Cause it put money in your pocket. Uh, I heard Sam and Dave say the things about same things about the blues brothers. Uh, when they did uh, Soul Man. But I cannot understand this one at all. Here,
0: nobody, no money. She, make it, <laughs> she ain't doing nobody, no favors. In fact, I mean, it's just like, oh my goodness, it's it's bad. Yeah, so that part. That, unless
1: it, it, <laughs> Somebody no, yeah. told
0: her that I was okay, though, Ben. Somebody told her like, oh yeah, that, that's great. Let's put that on me. Let's put that out there. That just shows you that I feel like there's another part. I'm in the Twilight Zone. There's another part of this country where there are people who live in places and they believe that this is okay. This is a good thing. Oh my goodness.
1: Wow. You know. just gave it a title for the segment I'm in the Twilight Zone. That is a perfect place to end the conversation. We are in the Twilight Zone. Uh, and uh, we were trying to escape it. Uh, and Yvette, I hope you are correct and that we do escape it uh, on November. I will urge this, and I'll say this to you and then get your last thoughts on this. Even if Dems, please listen to me, Dems. Even if by some miracle, you win the House and hold on to the Senate, okay? Don't go to sleep. Don't be like 2008 when Obama won. It's not over. It's like the second quarter. We're not even at halftime yet. I, I don't know how else to say it, Yvette. Maybe you could try one last appeal to dams,
0: You know, I feel like if we were to have a victory, say we kept the House and we, we won the Senate, Democrats need to not do the thing we always do, where we get the exact opposite and wrong message from that win, right? Like, we need to take that power and really do something, because right around the corner, there's this presidential um, that we don't know how that's going to shake out. Uh, we need to keep people on board and motivate people. And while we have power, We need to do something with it because what what, what people are worried about now is, okay. we lose the house and now there's a stalemate. There's nothing for us to do. Actually do something great with the power you have. And guess what? If you do that, we don't have to fight so hard to get people to come back. People show up for results. They do. And the way that Biden was popping his collar after the student loan debt thing and flexing and he was walking out like he was the man. And I'm like, (laughs) you want that feeling? Do more of that. If you like that feeling, do more of that. People like it when you show up for them, especially when they show up for you. So keep showing up. But I bet we're going to get the wrong message. I got a Twitter thing. I got to send out this uh, later today because a certain somebody is already preparing to blame progressives in case we win. I'm sorry. Uh, wait a minute. Progressives aren't mansion and cinema. This isn't our fault. We're supporting real candidates. So I got to go have a Twitter battle with somebody about that. They're already ready to blame progressives.
1: Wait, time out. The election hasn't even happened yet.
0: I know. They're setting it up.
1: Who, who, who's the— not Women ser-
0: progressives. I'm not going to say it on the record. All right. Watch my Twitter. Uh, Watch okay. My Twitter. Now this is I'm what start- I'm preparing for. This okay. is what I'm preparing for. I'm preparing for this setup that in the event Democrats don't win, somehow it will be progressives' fault. Even though the strategy has been to push progressives down and to amplify non-progressives. And the fact that the fact that we haven't gotten a whole bunch done has nothing to do with progressives and everything to do with mansion and cinema, and not us. They're already preparing to blame progressives. And it is a really impossible place to be giving my heart and my soul to keep this party going. And we don't get any credit when we win, but we get all the blame when when they lose. So I'm already setting folks up. Do not, do not blame progressives. This is not our fault.
1: No, generally what we get is shut up. Shut up and vote for us. That's generally what... Do. All right, uh, Yvette, I can't wait t- to see uh, who the mystery person <laughs> is that you're about to be feuding with, so I'll be checking oh your... Gosh. Now that i discovered your Twitter feed...
0: I was going to be quiet, and then I just realized I just cannot. I cannot do it.
1: Good. Don't be quiet. People don't like it when you're quiet. <laughs> uh, I don't like it when you're quiet. And thank you very much for coming to my show and not being quiet. I really thank you very much, Yvette.
0: Well, I can't think of anybody I'd more love to not be quiet with than you all right we have so get you much back. fun yeah. together let's do it again okay let's do
1: it. let's do it again that's a great event simpson i'm ben jarofsky take care everybody